Welcome to our Technic Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome back to our Technic Podcast. My name's Ed Morris and I'm Technical Manager for our Technic. And my name's Steve Ellsmore and I'm working in the Technical Department. So what we're looking at today, the subject we're trying to cover is, is training and training within our industry. It's really important for us as an organisation uh, that training is provided for different installers or, or anybody who may need it. So I think it's, it's important that we cover the subjects of training and what we can actually do. Now, I think within our industry, we may be at a pivotal point now with, with training because there's so much more legislation coming through. There's new products that are coming through all the time, whether that be sort of the heat pump market where we're having that drive for net zero, but also the componentry that sits in the market as well. So I think we really are at that sort of turning point now of, of training. And certainly from a manufacturer's perspective, you know, we need to, to do all we can um, to sort of do that. So from, from my experience in the market, I came up through the apprenticeship scheme, but I was more commercial, so I did heating and ventilation. Um, but training has always been a real key part f- for me to learn. I don't particularly learn well from textbooks. If someone passes me a you know a, a hundred page document to read, I'm probably not going to learn. But hands on sort of people coming in and giving me training was always really good for me and, and my experience to get me where I am today. And Steve, I don't know you know what your well, thoughts I'm, and experience are. I'm a domestic uh, background, so um, I was never going to be a heating engineer and sort of fell into the industry by mistake. Uh, although I come from a family business, so I'm you know, third generation. Uh, originally, I was going to be a teacher, uh, okay. which is Fair ironic. Um, and uh, yeah, so my background is obviously the domestic side of things, uh, gas boilers, oil boilers, and more sort of the domestic systems, which we're seeing now is a massive um, area of development within the industry, especially given what's going on with yeah. uh, 2025 and, and, and the abolishment of gas. And I suppose from a domestic perspective, and it was similar in commercial, but from a domestic perspective, you, you have to have a train to get your to be become gas safe to become you know your your g3 your water rings you have to have that training but outside of of the regulation trains we said the requirements did you do much other training regards to like say for instance manufacturers do training or or whatever else was it always just been what you needed to do we we used to do sort of if not i wouldn't say the bare minimum but you would do the first sort of two three years your city and guild as they were um and then you would do manufacturing training as and when they were offered by guys at the local merchants or uh, if you went to somewhere like the installer shows you'd maybe sometimes sign up to these things Uh, but they were definitely sort of more ad hoc Certainly, in my time, than uh, than they are now, where we're more structured yeah, uh, yeah. as organisations. Um, so, so as, I suppose in your world as well, in, in domestic world, in what we sit in today is is like you know the boiler manufacturers would offer training days on yeah. their boilers, and I suppose it's kind of yeah, it'd be a man in a van would turn up and he, he'd do a yeah. you know a, a two hour morning course at your local plum centre or wherever, and and then you'd go out with a little you know certificate say you were okay to work on a an boiler yeah, manufacturer's yeah. bit of kit or one of their registered engineers. That's great evolved over the years to be sort of in-house training centres. You think back to the days when Ideal, for example, had guys in a van that would walk course, around. Yeah. Uh, and now Ideal have got training centres in the north, you know, the west, so on and so forth, yeah. um, where you go and do sort of structured two, three-day training courses and it extends the warranty. Yeah. So it works best for both the installer and the, the boiler manufacturers. They'll get a more skilled engineer base yeah. and the engineer gets an extended warranty so he can offer a bit more peace of mind to the customer. Yeah. Um, that's becoming more prevalent. And yeah. I think given where the regulations are going, that's going to have to continue because there isn't the funding, let's face it, in the wider scheme to get the apprentices to do it at college as they're having to learn the very basics of a system. And it's not until, I don't know whether you you had this experience as well, it's not until they've perhaps been on the tools maybe four or five years 
before they've got the knowledge level to be able to go and do fault finding on boilers oh, yeah. or on Absolutely. systems, they're still concentrating on being able to put together a compression thread without yeah. putting PTFE on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's that's one of the things that that is always been. So I suppose from our perspective of our technique is there's always been big ticket training and when yeah. I talk about big ticket training I mean the board of manufacturers more so now the heat pump manufacturers that's the sort of go-to stuff what people want because they're going to be working on those pieces yeah. of kit you know they want to say I've done the, the violent course I've done the Baxi course I've done the boss course whatever it may be and I suppose from, from our perspective as a valve manufacturer we want to offer training on, on componentry so yeah. different types of valves so, so it, it, it's trying to get that that buy-in to understanding. You, you've got you've got a heat source, whatever it may be. We talk about boilers, heat pumps, etc. Yeah. But there's also the smaller ticket items, which are the stuff which which make the system work, aren't yeah. they? And that's in everybody's interest, you know. I mean, as a manufacturer, it's in our interest to have engineers that actually understand the product. Because in amount of guys we have, we would phone into the technical line and say, actually, I never knew that actually performed like that, yeah. or that's how it's made and how it you know it's what it's meant to do. I've just always fitted one. Yeah. Um, you get that as quite an a common response um, so it's within our interests to train an engineer base but it's also in the engineer's interest to install the correct product for the job yeah. so a bit about education um, I know training and education go hand in hand because obviously it you know, works you know, hand in glove but the the amount of engineers in the industry who have a base level of knowledge versus those who have an extended level of knowledge is quite a disconnect at the yeah, minute. Yeah. Um, that's where we need to almost yeah. bridge that the, gap, isn't it? You, you go into any plumber's merchants and if you stand in the, the merchant long enough, the age gap between those coming in and those being served on the on the you know on the counter, you'll see quite a few sort of twenty year olds, and then there's a massive gap to sort of fifty, sixty year old yeah, guys. Yeah. There's no There was between. a big gap when I came um, off the tools what, 10, 15 years ago, maybe. The, the, I was almost like the last generation of HVAC engineers yeah. because sure everyone's really trying, yeah, <laughs> everyone trying to be plumbers or, or, or something else that was in the news at the time we can make more money. And we yeah. almost, we, we did have that disconnect. And I think my experience of training, being slightly different in the commercial or industrial world was that, you know, we'd have people come in, say for instance, teach us how different jointing wise do it. So people like Victolic or people come to teach press fit and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So. I did have the manufacturer, not necessarily on the big Hovel boilers we were fitting, or the Hamworthy boilers, but we were sort of from a component level. So I think it's interesting to see the two differences between, you know, what you've experienced and, and Yeah, and we definitely we had no manufacturers coming into the colleges when uh, I, certainly when I did mine, God, yeah, a few years ago. Um, we, it was it was purely, here's your textbook, today we're going to learn how to bend pipe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you do pipe bending for three weeks. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's how it would go on. Yeah, um, yeah. And then sort of the advent of, if you like, plastic plumbing coming in mm. has de-skilled the industry to an extent that yeah. we're now having to reverse. Um, and I think we see a lot of that certainly as our technique. Um, and given you know the feedback we have from the various shows and things we do as well, <clears throat> the amount of, of skill level has got to come up. Yes. Um, I know the government are aware of it, but... Um, what they're doing about it is another thing. <laughs> well, and this is it. I think, you know, I say, I, I believe very strongly in, in the in the apprenticeship scheme. I did it myself. We do a lot of work in colleges, both your, yourself and I go around doing a lot of work in colleges. I was up one in Wales yesterday. And, you know, I'm a real good believer, a strong believer in, in, in getting into the, to the early stages of people's careers and, and, and trying helping them. So that's quite a, a, a good overview. Now, one of the things that we've done in preparation for, for this podcast was to, to put a poll on Instagram to, to installers that, that follow us um, on the Artechnic account and, and try and get some feedback from, from them really. So to understand where they are with their training um, and, and what their expectations are, what their requirements are. 
So we've, we've got some listed out here, and we'll go through them point by point, and, and we'll look at the results. But we'll, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll put some some meat on the bones, right? So the first question that we we posted on our on, on the post Instagram was, what is the most important topic for training within the plumbing and heating industry? And understandably so, heat pumps came in at twenty four percent. So you know, a quarter of the of the people were looking at heat pumps. Surprisingly, Partel came in at 59% and, and other was, was 18%. Now, one of those others was things like domestic load and weather compensation controls, the confusion around things like Boiler Plus. Um, some control manufacturers say their controls are Boiler Plus, but engineers actually had to set them up um, to run effectively. Also, rain rate appliances and running systems at low temperatures, um, energy efficiency controls, water treatments. So, you know, there's, there's quite a widespread within the other one. But the one I think that surprised me the most was was the Partel side of things. Yeah, I mean, you don't really think, I suppose, that, uh, you know, that your everyday heating engineer would, would consider Partel, but now there's been the changes and there's more talk about it. I think I think you're right, um, insofar as it's a surprise that the percentage is so high, but actually then when you look into the uh, the other, the 18%, everything they're picking up in their comments on the other is actually referencing back to part heat pumps and Partel again. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, your, your, low, your low temperatures and system efficiencies insulating everything to, to death. Um, which effectively is part L in four words, yeah, yeah. insulate it and insulate it and insulate it yeah. again. Um, you know, um, so there's there's a lot of they're aware of what's coming on. It's perhaps not main, mainly how they're they're putting it across. So um, yeah, it it is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not surprised at heat pumps. I think because the it's so loud. Yeah, Everybody's it's it's, it's, it's heat a pump, heat pump. The recent installer show that we did in Birmingham, I, I was on a panel of, of heat pumps and of, of heat pump. Uh, specialists and stuff and it's quite interesting to to sort of hear different from from different aspects now there was a guy from violent there was adam from heat geek and and, and jez from midsummer and, and the guy from the uh, grand school scheme but everyone's got a different opinion and i think at the moment it, it is being rammed down our mm. throats heat pump heat pump heat pump and and one of the things we did at the end of that conversation was open up to the audience to allow them to ask questions and, and the final question was have you got a heat pump to, to the whole panel, yeah. to which obviously the guys at, at Heat Geek and, and, the, and Jez and, and, and the guy from the Grand Source are like, yeah, of course, I don't have a heat pump nope. and, I, and I'm, I'm about to renovate a property and I'm probably going to put a heat pump in because I don't want to be told that I can heat my home. I'll, I'll, I'll choose no, the best way it's, to it's do that. Horses for courses. Well, you've got to look at the, the fabric of the building and, and yeah. what's best for the building because the best will in the world have been you know, the UK housing stock. It's not all new builds. We've no. got houses that are from you know literally the eighteen hundreds, and they they you know they leak like a sieve. Yeah, yeah. So the, the heat back to your huge, heat losses and your efficiencies. Yeah. You can't upgrade things with it um, still being cost effective. Yeah. You know, best will in the world, everyone would have a heat pump if they got a million pounds to dump into their two bedroom tool yeah, down, yeah, yeah. you know, um, terrace. But they're not going <clears> to. <throat> and I guess that's you know and that's one of the things I suppose where where people have had to start changing. Now you see here about energy efficiency, running lower temperature systems. Systems, um, controls, you know, weather compensation, all this where, and that's how it was overlooked before, but where, uh, th- what was said, one of the things that was quite interesting was that, you know, that you can't really fit a heat pump by rule of thumb. We've always installed by rule of thumb before. But I think over time, installing a heat pump will become, we just don't have the, we don't have the massive numbers at the moment do we, to, to be able to do that. I don't want to make a conversation about a heat pump. No, it's, no. Just, it's just trying to pick up on some of the subjects that people feel they need From to be trying From domestic on. sort of point of view, um, as I said, I'm sort of third generation. Um, 
I always remember my dad going out and sizing jobs, and he would do sort of you know early eighties, uh, mid to late eighties. He would go out, he'd measure all the rooms, he'd use the you know the heat calculator, the heat loss calculators, measure the radiator, size the pumps, size the pipe work, almost like a uh, you know a com commercial systems done. You work your flow rates out, mm. and he would do that, and he'd spend hours doing quotes. And that gradually over the years diminished down to, well, you know, 30 kilowatt boiler would do it. And yeah, yeah. You're opening is 1200. Yeah, it became the norm because you could just go, your window is 1200 wide, yeah. it's going to be a 1200 radiator. And the thought process kind of dropped away to that rule of thumb. Yeah. We're almost reversing back to yeah. 60s, 70s when things had to be sized. Yeah. Um, and commercial systems are no different. They yeah. have to be sized, otherwise they don't perform correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we deal with heat networks. <laughs> Obviously, that we see the downsides to those going right, <laughs> right or wrong. Yeah, wrong. Um, and yeah, a domestic system—it's just a small commercial system. Yeah, yeah. So why should it differ? Um, the difference is, I think we've been used to having it too easy for a while, yeah. and now we've actually got to start to train to train on it yeah, and, yeah. and do things properly. You know, you go back to the college courses; they're going to have to learn to size their pipe work, size yeah. the radiators, and remember that rather than just going to screw fix or wherever yeah. to and I think pick what, up a rad. What's different from before as well, you know, we, we get taught stuff in colleges and it's it is pretty much rule of thumb, etc. But there's some really good courses coming through the things like heat geek, heat geek, mm -hmm. leak, heat engineers. Oh, yeah. You know, all the work that these people do are now becoming industry known trainers mm -hmm. for, for giving that sort of information. So, you know, I think and, and, and I know those sorts of courses would probably cover everything that people yeah. are looking at. You know, from 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 where the important topics are within training. So that was the first one. On to the second one. What's the biggest barrier for installers trying to upskill or reskill? Um, I think it's always a really important question because you know, like you said, you said before, a lot of these people are a man in a van, one man yeah. vans. You know, they're the only source of income for that business. And, and at twenty percent came in the cost of training. You know, I can understand that if if they've been charged for it, yeah. they're taking days out of their own time. They've got to pay for it. Also, the cost of time at sixty percent, I absolutely understand that. If someone's going to offer you. A, a week's course, yeah. even if it's free of charge, that's a week. It's a earning. week's worth of money you're not earning. Um, the availability of courses at thirteen percent, you know. So, I think it's a relatively low. So I think that the courses are certainly coming through, um, and, and other being seven percent. But you know, cost of time and, and, and cost of training, obviously, you know, those are barriers at the moment yeah. that, that people, and you can understand it from from a self-employed person even if you're you know you've got a few guys working for yeah, you so obviously we, we talked to a few people on the tools there's, there's certainly a couple of uh, guys local to here uh, um, people I deal with outside of the work environment um, through you know football and things um, and that that time out of the you know time off the tools is is a huge factor, absolutely yeah. huge factor, because um, it's it's a week they're not earning. It might yeah. well be free, and it might be a well organised, well structured course. But that week that he's not working for, unless he's got two or three guys that can cover and take up the slack, and then yeah. you can rotate it round. I don't think there's a way of getting around it. I was going to say, um, do you think there's you know, a solution to to it an extent? The solution may be that it's online based, so you go like the open university type um, yeah. you know, format, like we do here with various training videos and things. But um, can you cover? Things that require actual practical yeah. knowledge. Yeah, I think an it's, online course. It's, it's a lot more yeah. impersonal, isn't it, when it's, when it's online? But yeah. you know, I think it's a good idea. Maybe it's a way forward. But then, if someone's been out twelve hours a day doing boiler swap plates, whatever, and then they want to come over and do two hours, three, four computer, hours worth, you know, yeah. and they've got young families and kids. So, you know, I, I do understand those figures and, and say I, I don't really know what the solution is. But I'm, I'm hoping over time that 
that those numbers will change and it will start to become lower. There are less barriers, but I suppose again, much like the actual heat source itself, it's going to be become a hybrid solution. You know, yeah. You're going to have some parts that, like your driving tester, you can do your theory online, yeah, yeah. and then you have to go and physically do a practical. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it may be that it becomes you have test centres that you have to go to to physically do. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like a cash upfront investment, isn't it? It's yeah. not like you're. You get your patent, you recoup it. You've got to put your own time and, and, and cash into it first, yeah. to then probably to five, and do to, it again in five years. Yeah, to then recoup <laughs> yeah. over time. So, just just some interesting facts there. So, leading on nicely to, to the next question is, you know, what type of training would you prefer? So, online twelve percent. You know, we said about moving. It. I understand the reason for that. I know yeah. I, I don't particularly enjoy the online stuff. I prefer it in person. In person came in at sixty five percent. So, you know, there's a higher Obviously, a high percentage of people who'd like to be in a classroom, mixing with other people. You know, you bounce off other people. Everyone's got different opinions and different thoughts around it, and then both come in at twenty-four percent. So, interesting figures there. I think when it comes to um, it's pretty even spread. It sort of it is it shows spread. you almost that there is no right or wrong. Yeah, it's, it's doesn't add up to one hundred percent. I've just no. realised that. <laughs> Well done. Good <laughs> it's a so there's obviously someone floating around there somewhere. But yeah, I just, you know, the in-person sign-up for me is, is massive. Yeah. You know, we, we try to do it here as much as we can, whether it be we bring people into the to this business or whether we go out yeah. to, to other places. But I think having that interaction and, and being able to bounce off each other, you know, when you do an online course, you sit there, you're generally watching a presentation, mm. you're listening to someone speak, and then you'll have a set of questions. There's nothing yeah. personal about it, whereas... You know, if you've got 10 people in a room, there's, you know, I could be presenting some training and so I say, well, what about this? And then that leads to a conversation. And I think the whole, the whole scenario then becomes a whole exactly, lot more intuitive, you know, that isn't it? online training thing, it's set for an hour. That same subject you can do in-house and it might take three. Yeah, yeah. Because you are interacting, you will yeah. have interruptions and, um, you know, practical sides of it as well. Yeah. Even if it's not a practical um, yeah. you know, training session, um, definitely worth worth investigating a bit. And, and every day is a school day. I always say, you know, when I go out and do presentations, and I'm, and I'm sure you're the same, whether it be colleges, whether it be lecturers, whether it be engineers or, or consultants, I always want to learn from them. Mm -hmm. I'm not there to solely or purely teach them what's in my PowerPoint presentation. No, because you could have just sent it them. If that yeah, and then I'd, yeah. you know, getting the feedback, and sometimes I'll say something. So I don't agree with that. It's this, and I, and I think that. That kind of interaction is is invaluable as well. So, some interesting and from different sources. You know, what I mean? yes. you, you can't just have it all from one particular place. So, no. in the past, half the reason why um, you know city and guilds type systems not fell down but didn't work into perhaps the fashion they were aimed for was that you they were all from one chap. You know, yeah. you used to go on a Monday and it'd be Bob, and you'd, yeah, you'd have yeah. Bob for. 24 hours. My college actually um, was called Bob. And that one person is teaching you pipe bending one week, lead flashing the next yeah, week. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's that single monotonous way of doing yeah, things. Whereas yeah. if you use multiple sources, yeah. sometimes it's a bit more engaging, a bit more interesting. The engineer and or, you know, the, the apprentice is going to take on more of the information. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's yeah. I'd say. I'm not, I'm not surprised that the in-person one is the highest figure. So on to the next one. Do you think that training for manufacturers is valuable? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Multiple sources. The answer was yes, and that was 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, again, I'm not surprised by that coming from 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 a from an on-site on environment. You know, I would always jump at the chance to go on a course that a manufacturer was offering, as as a, you know, as you were when when you were doing your. Um, That's just free bacon, though. <laughs> yeah, free sandwich is always good. I won't. Uh, I'll never turn that down. Um, but yeah, and I think certainly from from us as a manufacturer, you know, from our Tenex perspective, I think we've we realised that 
a couple of years ago and we've you know as a business we've we've really focused on on trying to increase our training whether it be online whether people like it or not you know believe it or not doing small youtube videos that is training for people yeah. because they're learning stuff well how many people now are in front of a machine or a component or you know a valve uh, and they're doing fault finding how many people the first thing that they do do they go, pick the phone up google it pick the phone up phone the manufacturer after they found the number or do they pick the phone up and find a YouTube video? Yeah, that's YouTube. You know, that's they, what I they, do. They're YouTubing. Yeah, so yeah. those little short videos of why is this failing or what's this doing here, yeah. they'll pick the phone up and have a look for yeah. it. Then they'll look for the manufacturer's yeah, yeah. support afterwards. And so. if it's only a short snippet, you've, you know, you, you've not got to sit there for 30 minutes of a video to try and work out what it is. You, no. you can Flip sort forward. of get straight to the point. So, you know, that's... Training happens in, 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 in multiple different ways. In person, short videos online courses, you know, but, but us as manufacturers, you know, I think it's really important that we, that we recognize that. And I think we do as yep. a business, oh, yeah. um, you know, we, we do that, we do that as best way ability. So do you use social media platforms as a training tool? Yes. 88%. No, it's 12%. Again, you know, social media comes in, in many platforms. I obviously have the L Technic Ed Twitter account. The amount of what I like about Twitter is that you get good people talking to good people, or people yep. who are unsure will ask a question and generally get a good response. There are some idiots on there. You do yep. see some stuff that which which it doesn't need to be done in an open forum. But you know, social media again, it's good, it's bad. I've, I've got I've got opinions on it in both aspects. Yeah. I think probably the good outweighs the bad at the moment, depending on what platform you use. Yeah, so I mean, we use obviously the Plum app and the Gas app as well, um, and you get some great little questions come through them, um, all of which you can then add files and you can link yeah. things across. And I think it's here to stay. There's no getting around it. Um, so why not utilise it? Yeah. Um, both as engineers and as manufacturers, it works. It's a two-way street. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got to be a bit of give and take on both sides. Yeah. And so I, I do say, you know. We as a business, I think, do a lot on social media. I think you know the, the team that we have do it really well. We interact really well with with our audience and our installers, and our, who are ultimately our customers. Um, I'd like to say the installers also, work, you know, and they do. Us, yeah. yeah, yeah. Apart from when they're slagging your products off, which, which, you, which you do get. But <laughs> that's, look, that's an opportunity to educate them. Yeah, and, and, um, and it, sometimes they're right. You know, but sometimes you can get hold of them and, and talk to them, and, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's a real good book because then you start to build relationships. Yeah. And I think that's certainly from from my personal aspect. In, in doing some of the social media stuff there, I've built some really good relationships with some really good people yeah. in the industry, which I think stands me and the business in good stead because then you sort of become sort of go to... And that to, internal filter knowledge to other people. You yeah. Know, so you yeah. Know, you, no. you've picked up uh, things from other manufacturers, from other people on social media. Yeah. You get a question, you can go, oh, actually, I spoke to you know, Jess from Mitchell yeah, yeah. and he said, do this, this and this, yeah, and it yeah. works. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you can move forward. And we you know we, we, we know what we know. We don't know everything. Yeah. We don't know what we don't exactly. know. Exactly. We're valve manufacturers. I know exactly. Yeah. You know, when people ask us about heat pump systems or, you know, we could, we could advise as best we do know, but, you know, we are... A, component manufacturer. <laughs> no, you're not the Oracle. <laughs> no, no, I'm certainly not. So interesting one after what I've just said. So what social media channels do you use to assist with your training? Um, bear in mind this was an Instagram poll. Yeah. Uh, Instagram was 73%. <laughs> uh, Shock. Uh, podcast, Shock yeah, podcast was 7% and Twitter apparently this was zero. So oh, there we go. We'll whoever, whoever uses this. But um, but yeah, it's I'm gone. I think there's some more on the back. Sorry, I do apologize. Oh, YouTube as well. So yeah. YouTube as well. Was was 20% on it, I was printed on the back, so my apologies <laughs> for that one. Um, so, yeah, ag- again, Instagram, I, I personally, from an Al te- Technic perspective, don't have an Instagram account, um, but I do Twitter. 
obviously it's not very good because no. people don't <laughs> watch it don't tend to use it so maybe moving but but i think the instagram and youtube mm. I, I know more and more people are transitioning from twitter um onto instagram for, yep. for various reasons for for some of the, the stuff that happens on twitter you know i say i don't pay attention but, but youtube is an interesting one 20 percent because mm. we've put a lot of time and a lot of effort into our YouTube page, yourself included in, in doing that. And I think it's really important that, that we get recognised, what's recognised that, that is there as a, as a valuable yeah. source, really. And it depends what the user's after as well, doesn't it? You know, each of those social media platforms offers a different format of, of how to access information. Yeah. So if you have to sort of little bite-sized videos, then you know, Instagram's probably just about right. If yeah. you have to do a longer, more... I think they call thing. it Reels now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They call it Instagram Reels. Oh, down, with the, down with the kids. Yeah, um, I'm not really down with the kids. That's what they call it. <laughs> um, but if you have to longer stuff, then maybe it's you know, the YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, but it's just an, yeah. it's an interesting spit, isn't it? But what it does go to show is that people do go to those platforms mm. for training for information and and you may not think that you're watching a a video on a pressure reducing valves training but essentially it is because you're learning how to do something so it does become part of a yeah because the videos that we certainly circulate aren't look at this product isn't it shiny they're not that kind of video it's this is how it works yeah. this is why you would use it in this, this is why it couldn't work and likewise why it's not appropriate for certain situations yeah, yeah. um so it is an education piece yeah yeah no it's really interesting so one of the last ones that we put in there was, is do you prefer longer videos or bite size? Now, we have both, mm -hmm. um, but the split was, was quite surprised, actually. So longer videos at 69% uh, and, and bite size videos at 31%. So I always thought the bite size ones were, were a bit better because of what we said before yep. about the way they're read. But, but I suppose if we're talking, is, is this a case of the, you know, the guys who we've done with the, um, with the survey, are they looking at training as in, a training course, yeah. so you yeah, know, a, a you know, G three course. They're not going to want that in a thirty second video or you know, three no. minute video. No, no, no. That's probably where this is. This has come from as a comment. If yeah. it's fault finding, I bet you'd find the results are the opposite way around. Yeah, yeah. And they'd be looking for short uh, yeah, videos. Yeah. So it's probably how the questions posed. Yeah, and, and we do have both. You know, we have our the our Technic Online CPD library yeah. where you can go and register. You can do subsequent CPDs where you then get a certificate for yeah. your time. Um, but we also have our short videos, which yourself and, and I and, and a couple of other people in the business do, which I, which I think, again, yeah. you've only got to look at the number of viewing figures, you know, in the tens of thousands that, that they are valuable. People are using them for the right reasons. Um, don't really get touch wood. Any negative comments, I'll say that I'll have a waft of them on the next lot of videos <laughs> that we're going to produce. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think we, we have to do both. I think there's yeah. room in the world for both. And then people have the choice of what they want to watch. Yeah, it's not a black and white decision. Of course it? it's not. No, of course it's not. And finally, uh, the last question that was put there was, was there any of the topics that you wish to discuss? And this is quite a good one, actually, I suppose. Steve, in your role as, as being my senior engineer and, and, and running the sort of technical team is, is explaining why and when you should use products. Um, you know, people think they know, but sometimes it's just good to check and good to understand, you know, what, it, yes, a pressure reducing valve is a pressure reducing valve, yeah. but a pressure reducing valve isn't, there's not one valve right for, one. for every aspect of installation. Mm -hmm. There's different no, types. Different absolutely. Courses, so. So. Again, that bit of training side of things, you hopping back to the original questions to do with training, it's about the uh, the base level of knowledge. Yeah. So the guys that we interact with on a daily basis, you will talk to a guy who's perhaps a consultant, who he will understand 
systems on paper yeah. and he'll understand you know which valves he's got to put where yeah. then he'll talk to the cold face engineer who will fall into two or three categories of either the base level you know, mm. apprentice who's literally just on the tools yeah. to a guy who's been doing it 30 or 40 years mm-hmm. and some of those actually might have more or less knowledge than the others and that's where questions like pressure reducing yeah, valves yeah. and which type they go where or mixing yeah. valves sizing, where they should how be you size them correctly how, exactly how they're sized all of that is not one person's never going to understand no. or know all of that at all, no. and we won't. No, no, so no, no, no. Why should why should the engineer? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I agree. So you know, picking up on all the social media side of things, and you know, using the websites, being able to Google and get a hold of snippets of information can be as dangerous and as good. Well, as the same way, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, sometimes a little knowledge yeah. is dangerous. Isn't <laughs> yeah. It? Yeah. But that's why we're here. That's why we have the support network that we've got and the yeah. interaction with the plumbers that we've got yeah, so, yeah. and the heating engineers, so that we can provide a service for our our products but we also provide a service for the wider industry yeah, yeah. Thing. you know if a guy phones up and he hasn't necessarily got the right product because it's not working correctly yeah. or you know his system's doing something it shouldn't do we, we're not afraid to sort of say well I'm sorry mate that's the wrong product for the job you need xyz yeah. um, and at the same time have you thought about perhaps balancing your system more efficiently yeah. or um, we'll spend time you know interacting with customers as well not just engineers mm. who need an understanding of they've had perhaps our products fitted yeah. and they don't understand why their radiator's not getting warm at the furthest point of the building. Yeah. So you have to have the conversation about balancing and energy efficiency. And I suppose and, that's the beauty yeah. of, of, of your role and your team's role is that every time that phone rings, A, you don't know who it's going to be, but B, it's always an element of training. External sales usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, it, it is an element of training. It always yeah. because people are coming to you with questions yeah. or, or a problem. And if you can solve that problem, there's a bit of training that's exactly, happening. Yeah. And, and I think sort of maybe seeing some of this stuff, there's you know, graphs and, and stuff that maybe as, as a manufacturer, we need to look at something like that to do a little bit of an education piece for people, just so they know what they're looking at. I'm not saying they've got to understand them entirely, no. but if you understand what the graph means, it's probably going to give you a little bit more help. In, yeah. in, it's knowledge again. Of yeah, course. It's, it's a little bit more training. And it's another solid valve. It's not necessarily fitted to a piece of pipe, but it's, it's, it's working. It's its working environment, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, size it correctly, it'll work correctly. Exactly yeah. right. I think that's key. Well, I've really enjoyed that. I think it's really interesting. Training is a big passion of mine, and, and I know it is for yourself as well. So to be able to do this podcast has been has been really good. It's certainly give us an insight um, into what the what the engineers want out in the, in the field. So, Steve, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experiences um, that you've had. Uh, with, within the market well thank you all for listening to our technique podcast if you want any more information on any of our products visit our website which is www.altechnic.co.uk and we hope to see you on the next podcast